So getting into Financial Peace University, the very first thing that we learned was that we weren't alone. There's a lot of other folks out here that are in the same position that we were in, and they had similar stories, and in some cases, stories that were worse than ours, and it kind of gave us hope. It's like, well, if they're in here and they're going to fight this battle, so can we. We can do this. And the first change that we made for paying off our debt was to actually increase our tithe and, and to give our full tithe that, you know, we talked about. We'd, we'd rationalize before, well, we can't afford to. We, we've got too much going on. Our money's going too many other places. We figured out that after 24 years of trying to do it on our own, it wasn't working. We needed to do something different. The first thing we needed to do was trust that he was going to be here to, to take care of us. So we needed to trust him with our money and pray that we were blessed and be able to get out of this debt. And it worked. And that was, that was one of the biggest changes we and, made. And to be clear, the amount of debt that you were in was? We paid off $55,000 in the last couple of years. Okay, $55,000. Right. Now, that's, that's not say, look at me. That's saying, look how big of a hole I got myself into. And I'm not that smart, and I could get out of it. You can, too. Now, I know people get different debt at different levels. I got to talk to some folks after the last service and hear their situations. Get on this journey. It is absolutely yeah. worth it. Um, we, uh, we increased giving. I, I've got little notes here because I'm really good at getting off track, and, and Mike's helping me stay That's the other reason well. I'm standing yeah. here, yeah. You know what? We made a lot of mistakes. Actually, we weren't that much in debt before we got into Financial Peace University. One of the things we did when I retired is I deserved a, a gift for retiring. So I bought myself a $15,000 truck that I couldn't afford. Six months later, I sold that truck because I realized how stupid of a purchase that was. And so we made mistakes even after we got onto the journey. But you can still get there. Um, we got on a budget, and then we screwed it up, and we failed. Then we tried it again, and we screwed it up and failed. And it was a learning process, and we got better and better at it. And we learned to live on a good, tight budget so we could actually tell our money where to go instead of it telling us where to go. That's one of the important lessons we got out of it. Small wins became big wins. The most important thing, though, is that Amy and I became a team. We were on the same page. We knew the money coming in. We knew the money going out. And we were talking this stuff through. And if, if that's one of the things I could point out is that as a family, you've got to be on the same page. You know, some of the intangibles is that my boys, um, they're 19 years old. I have twin boys that are just starting college this year. They've learned a lot from watching Amy and I's example. They haven't been through the class, but it's so much fun to listen to them talk to their friends and tell them how bad credit cards are. And, you know, here's some things, I, decisions I wasn't making at 19. One of them has got a 401k going on with a job he's starting, and the other one's already investing in a Roth, and he's got a part-time job at an auto parts store. Okay, I wasn't doing stuff like that, but because of Amy and I going through this and the example that we were trying to set for our boys, they're getting into it. It's fantastic. Well, you had someone try to get you to sign up for a credit card this past week, didn't you? And that was fun. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, we went, to, we went grocery shopping, and yeah. I didn't know that. I, I, I forgot how you know, fast people out there to give you credit cards. Um, we were checking out at Sam's Club, and the lady says, hey, would you like the Sam's card? And here's the benefits, everything else. My wife said, no, Dave said so. And, but what was funny was she knew exactly what we were talking about. She goes, oh, you're some of those Ramsey people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. And she says, you know, I've always wanted to go through that class, and I've wanted to take the time. I've just never had the chance, never. And I invited her to Wednesday night here at the church as for the free um, live stream that's going on, that's, you know, going over the baby steps. She was excited. She wrote the information down. We hope to see her on Wednesday night here. So getting into this and getting your head straight on things gives you the opportunity to talk yeah. to other people. Because there's always people offering us credit cards, and it's, it's a chance to invite them to come down and visit with us here. It's yeah. fantastic. It's good. Um, getting, after getting out of debt, here's what our life looks like now. We have a mortgage, and that's it. 
We have a plan to pay that off in five years because of the budget that we're sticking strongly to and filling our envelopes and paying cash for everything and not using debt to pay for anything. That's something we've never, we've never been in that position. Uh, we've got more money in the bank than ever. We're investing 15%. We're still giving our full tithe, and we are able to help others. And one of the things that we want to do, Amy and I talked about this, is that we'd like to sponsor some families going through the uh, Financial Peace University class in January. It is so important to us for you guys to have that same um, joy in giving that we want to give yeah. that piece of it. So please talk to me afterwards um, or reach out through the little cards on here and say, I want to talk to Tyson. We could use some help getting into that class. Absolutely. We'd love to help you guys out. Um, we cash flow everything. How, think about how cool it would be just to pay for Christmas, pay for birthdays, pay for vacations with cash and not have to worry about paying the credit cards off after it's over with. We're, we're experiencing that now and it's just a joy. Um, here real soon, we're getting ready to do uh, something that we've always dreamed about doing. We're going to sell everything. We're going to move into an RV and actually travel around the country for a couple years. And that's a that's a dream that we've had, but it, it's not because we've gotten rich or anything like that. We've learned to live on this budget, and with my retirement pay coming in, we can do this. It's something that <laughs> we are finally able to do, and, uh, and we're just excited. But the cool piece about that is a decision that we made is that our, our, our seven-year-old should be nine at the time we get on the road. As we get into all these different communities, we're going to do something to volunteer in each one of those communities, do something to try and to give and make a difference all around the country as we're driving so we get to set that example for her. That's and I'm cool. just pumped about that. Yeah, man, that'll be great. Okay, I want to make sure everyone understands just real clearly, you were $55,000 in debt yep. and you inherited $60,000 and were able to get out. Not at all. Okay, you uh, maybe you received, probably the military gave you a $60,000 bonus for being you. No, not at all. Oh, I no. thought the military was did nothing, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they do that for the folks uh, young trying to get them to come in. I was already <laughs> old and crusty. They okay, yeah. yeah. I was already brainwashed. I was stuck in there. So you just took what you had. This was not about an, a jump or anything. You just took what you had Absolutely. and began to point it in different directions, focus it. Absolutely. It we have been a one-income family for the last 19 years. When my boys were born, we made the difficult decision for AIM to be a stay-at-home mom. You know, it was important for our family to do that, but it meant the budget got much tighter. And not only that, we were preparing for two kids to go to college. And my wife went back for her master's degree um, so she could get out and start doing some important work after my career was over. And it's just, we've, we've always had all those things coming in. We just had to use what we had at the time, and it worked. All right. The, the process worked. Very good. Thank you so much Thank for you. sharing that. Yeah. So... All right, just a reminder, because if, if you were thinking, I, I just can't wait until January. This Wednesday, this Wednesday, Financial Peace Live, uh, seven-step plan, they'll be going over that. And as Tyson said, you can register at our website. You can register on the Bible app if you have that open right now. You can register at our Church Center app. Uh, and listen, I love that you have made, part of what you did was getting out of debt, you've made part of your plan for the future about generosity, helping others learn what you've learned, as well as helping people along the way. Because this morning, this morning is such a great segue. Uh, giving is good, right? Do you believe that? How many of you believe that? Giving is good. Now, I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I know, listen, somebody here has to have in their head that voice saying, oh, no, he said giving. It's a trap. Right? <laughs> I get that. Totally get it. Uh, and yet, I'm going to bet you can finish this statement. It is better to give than to receive, right? We've all heard that, right? 
but did you know it's a Bible verse? Did you know you're actually quoting Jesus when you say that? In Acts chapter 20, Paul, who wrote uh, almost half of the New Testament, he's saying goodbye to the leaders of the church at Ephesus that he's very good friends with, and he's warning them about the dangers uh, to the church and encouraging them to be strong. And one of the last things he says to them uh, in verse 35 is, in everything I did... I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. Now, I just want to say, let's not be ridiculous. That doesn't mean it's not a blessing to receive. Am I correct? I mean, seriously, if you've ever received something, that's that's a blessing. But if you've ever really given some, I mean, really given something, to someone, you know that what Jesus is saying is not some sort of religious, you know, mumbo-jumbo or something like that. It actually is more blessed to give, but it's also, it's fair to say, it's a blessing to receive. Now, here's how you test that. When you think back the stories, through the stories in your life of times when you have received things or when you have given things, which stories evoke the most emotion in you? Which ones, when you think back through those stories, do you think of uh, the, the thought in your head was, I mean, that just really impacted your life. Now, I will, I will tell you this. When I, I can think of a gift that I have received, uh, actually, I can only think of one gift that I've received that still impacts my life uh, to this day. And it's something that Sandy gave me, uh, and uh, it just blew, it wasn't, what blew me away wasn't the gift itself. It was the gift told me something about Sandy, told me that she understood who I am. And so it wasn't the gift, but it was what it meant to me. So it can be a blessing to receive, but my guess is for you that like me, again, it's not the gift so much as what the gift told you that they meant. By the way, I still have that gift. And, uh, and if the house was on fire and everybody was safe, right, you've played that game, all the people are out, all the pets are out, all of that kind of stuff, and you could take three objects out of your house, right, we've played this, what would, what would you, this would be one of those things, this would be one of the objects, not because of what it is, it would mean absolutely nothing to any of you, but every time I see it, I think of Sandy, and if you were to ask her this morning, she most likely has no idea what I'm talking about, uh, Again, not saying we weren't excited about it. It's not that we didn't like it, because this is important too. Paul reminds us of what Jesus says uh, in 1 Timothy 6.17. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So please, 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 when we talk about this, don't hear me saying that we don't enjoy gifts. But when I get the feels for a story, if there's something that's hitting me in the feels, it's usually a story where we gave something away. Proverbs 22 says this, blessed are those who are generous. And there are people here in our congregation who have said, if there is a child or a student who cannot go to camp, can't afford to go to camp, but really wants to go to camp, just let them know it's been covered. We've had other people say, listen, if there's a student who wants to go to Kings Island with the student ministry, please let me know. I want to make sure we cover that for them if they can't cover it for themselves. We've had missionaries come, friends of mine who have come and talked about a need that they had just in sharing about what's going on. And I've had people come to me at the end of a service and say, 
please let your friend know that it's taken care of. But there's always a stipulation. There's one stipulation. Every time I get that, when that is told to me, do you know what it is? I just don't want anyone to know what? Who I am. If you've ever bought coffee for the person in line behind you and then left before they found out. Or if you made up, even for someone that you don't know, but you're in a grocery line and you see the person in front of you and they're struggling, they don't have the money for what they've got on the thing, and you paid the difference for them. Or if you've ever given anything, like if, if you've ever given a car away. We work with Planting Seeds Ministry here in our community. And just this past week, somebody gave us a car to give away to someone who needs one. Listen, if you've ever prayed about giving something... And it was a big gift to you. And you gave it on faith. And you saw how it impacted some life or some ministry. How does that make you feel? I mean, that's where, the, that's where it hits you in the heart. Or maybe for some of us, it's like Tyson was talking about. It's the first time you were ever able to tithe. That was a huge step of faith. And you felt the joy of being obedient to God. And you actually saw the provisions and blessings of God in your life. Or with something that you could have sold, but you thought to yourself, no, I think we're, gonna, I think we're supposed to give this away to somebody. And they were just blown away by your generosity. How many of us, show of hands, you know from experience, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You've actually given, and you, I mean, you understand what that means. So you know what I'm saying is true. Here's what I think it is. On your notes is a Nigerian proverb. It's the heart that gives, the fingers just let go. I think that's why it has such an impact on us, because it's the heart that's giving. It's the fingers are just letting go of it. Look at what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And then just a couple of verses after that, he writes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be, what? Generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will, look at what, is, look at what happens, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Can you imagine people giving thanks to God because of your generosity, your blessing in their life? So if we know that giving is good, and if we know that it really is, well, it's not just some religious cliche, it's not just something Jesus said to trick us. If, if we really understand that it is more of a blessing to give than to receive, it raises a question. Why don't we do it more often? Seriously, why is it we don't do this more often? So I've listed three reasons uh, that are potential reasons uh, uh, on your notes. Uh, see if any of these apply to you, feel familiar. Number one, I don't feel like I have enough. I would, but I, I, we'd love to do more. We're kind of struggling right now. You walked in this morning, you heard about giving hope to kids at Christmas, and it is tugging at your heartstrings, but you know you know you don't have the ability at this moment because of where you are. Or, I've seen the idea of generosity abused. And you know what I'm talking about. Slicked back hair. Listen, it's hard enough to trust people with hair to begin with. But when they slick it back, right? You know what I'm talking about? And then they say, so, they say something about if you just sow a seed of $100, you'll get $1,000 back in the mail. And you've seen this. You, you, you should, listen, you should doubt that kind of message. Please doubt that kind of message. 
I don't want a giving message because I've seen it abused. We've all seen this abuse. One more, and maybe this was you growing up. I know it was me growing up. I lived with a scarcity mindset instead of an abundant mindset. A scarcity mindset, which means if I give, I will have less, and there's not really enough to go around. And if you have something, that means I don't have access to it. So rather than this abundant mindset of we serve a God, we have a Father who loves us and provides for the needs of his people, often through his own people, he provides for the needs of his people. And maybe this is going to sound bad out loud, but there's this little voice inside of your head that no one else hears, but we hear it, and it says, I actually will never have enough to be generous. I will always need more before I can give generously. If that's the voice in your head, listen, I love what Billy Graham said because it applies right to it. If a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help out almost every other area of his life. And the reason I think that resonates and maybe resonates with you is because it, it, it reverberates what Proverbs 11 is saying. I love the message translation. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. So what, what happens when you give, you are a blessing to other people. And then you yourself receive help or are blessed in some way. So on your notes, just want to make sure we get this because giving is good. I want to get better at it. If giving really is good, and we've all said that it is, right? Not a trick, not, you know, conning anybody here. But if giving is good, I want to get better at it. So this morning, I'm going to show you three truths from Scripture that will help you grow in generosity. The first one is the foundation. It's where we begin. It's kind of beginners. It's for beginners who are followers of Jesus to grow in generosity. First, I'm going to be generous with God. And by the way, this may be your first step. Of, this may be your next step, excuse me, your next step of faith with God. And it's mentioned first intentionally. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord by giving him your money and the first part of all your crops. It's not even that we're just supposed to give to God from some of what we have. We're to give to him before we do anything else. And I don't know if you know why or not, Deuteronomy 14.23 tells us the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. And the, the word we translate tithe comes from a Hebrew word, which means one-tenth, one-tenth of whatever we receive. And in the church, we talk about tithes and offerings. You've heard us use those words. That's because a tithe is a tenth, the first tenth given to God, and offering is anything given beyond that. So those are really the two terms. In Malachi 3, again in the Old Testament, God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. So there's this really ridiculous promise from God that if we will bring the first tenth to him, he promises to bless us abundantly. And by the way, and maybe you've heard this before, the only time in Scripture where we are told to test God. Everywhere else it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But here's God saying, test me in this. Or you might be able to read that word, trust. Trust me with this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which, by the way, is the Old Testament temple, New Testament uh, image of the, the local church. Why did God give us, you ever wonder why God would give you permission to test him in this area? Theologically, my guess is that he knew it would freak us out. 
Are you kidding me? How in the world am I ever going to do this? I wonder how many people think, uh, hear that and think, I can't do that with how I live right now. In order to do that, in order to be able to do that, I would have to rearrange my entire life around God. Yes, you, you would. That's exactly what I'm saying. You would have to change some things to actually put God first in the tide like we do in other areas of our life. If you spend the first moments of your day alone with God in His Word and prayer, as we spend the first day of the week together in worship to God, we're going to trust God with the first part of what He trusts to us as an act of worship back to Him. But I'd have to rearrange my entire life. Yes. Do you understand how big of an act of faith and trust that would take? Yes, I do. It teaches us to say, God, I need to depend on you. God says, test me in this. So what I'm telling you is that when you test God, somehow he will prove himself faithful. I don't know how he'll do it. I just know how he's done it in my life. I've heard other stories from other people. He will prove himself faithful. And I believe I have learned to understand and I have experienced that God will do more with the 90% that I, that I use myself, that he has blessed than if I had the whole 100% uh, to my own. I have a friend who lost his job, and they were living on his wife's income for a bit, and he told me that they decided intentionally not to lower their giving to match what they made until he found a new job. He told me that they would trust God with that. The first 10% is being generous with God. If I want to grow in generosity, I'm going to worship God and trust him with the tithe. And in case you're wondering what kind of impact that makes, we give 10% of what we receive right back out the door, which means our giving helps meet needs right here in our own community, which means our giving makes it possible for groups like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous to meet in our facility. Our giving makes it possible to minister to the next generations of people growing up. Our giving helps people around the world in like India and Haiti and Brazil hear about who Jesus is. So, here's the thing. Do you trust God? And this will be offensive to some, so if you're easily offended, please put your fingers in your ears and go la, 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 okay? But if you want to know, and this is on your notes, if you want it, you can take this home. If not, please look away on your notes. If I want to know if I love God, my bank account and my calendar tell me everything I need to know. If I want to know if I love and trust God, My bank account and calendar tell me everything. They are the proof of that. Okay, number two, to grow in uh, generosity, I will be generous with others. And this may be your next step. Maybe this is your next step of faith uh, in walking with Jesus. Some of you have already taken the opportunity of being involved with Operation Christmas Child, right? Being involved with Christmas for Children, Operation Christmas Child for Kids Around the World, an opportunity to uh, speak into their lives. Uh, or others who are involved in Angel Tree, which is for children right here in our community. And by the way, I was told that we have more tags to help more children this year than we ever have in the past. And so if you are uh, able to do that, that is incredible. And please hear this. No one's asking you to do both. You may not be able to do either. But certainly no one's asking you to do both. You can do both if you want to, but no one's asking that of you. So if you, please don't feel that pressure. 
But we would love for you, if you're able to, we would love for you to be involved in reaching to our community in that way. Beyond that, your generosity to other people may or may not involve money. Philippians 2, Paul writes this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself. So this morning, I want to encourage you to write the name of a person who has a need that you can fill. There is room on your notes. Look at the notes. There's room for a name on your notes. Actually, it says the name of someone that I can help. Right there on your notes, and then there's a blank. Who is that? There's someone in your life that right now you can do something to help them. And maybe it's just a young couple who, you know what, they really need a night out, and they can't afford child care. So you volunteer to watch their kids and play with their kids for them while they get some much-needed time away by themselves. I have heard of people here at MCC who do that very thing. Thank you so much for doing that. Or maybe it's an elderly person who needs their leaves raked or in the next month or two might need some snow shoveled for them. Maybe it's a teenager who needs someone who's willing to listen or to take them to see Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, you know, next month because that's a big deal. Or a child who needs someone to play with them. Look at Proverbs 11.25 again. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When you refresh other people, your acts of generosity, somehow, and this doesn't even make sense, but talk to anybody who's ever been on a mission trip, talk to anybody who has ever given generously in, in helping someone else, it always splashes back on you. All right, here's the last one. To grow in generosity, I will be generous with myself. And I would just say a lot of Christians get out of balance in this particular area. They begin to feel guilty if they spend anything on themselves or their own families because they think that all of their money should either be saved for the future or given to the poor. Everything should be spent that way. But I believe that God has given us some of his resources for our pleasure. And I believe that because the Bible tells us that. We've already looked at this verse. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 17 one more time. Put their hope in, don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put your hope in God who does what? He richly provides us with everything. Why? For our enjoyment. God provides us with things so that we can enjoy them. That's how much he loves you. He provides for you so that you can enjoy things. This quote on your notes. We are never more like Jesus than when we are generous. That sound right to you? That sounds right to me. So if that sounds right, here we go. I'm going to start being generous right now. We want to be generous right now. To which if you were here last week or w listened this week online, uh, you, you think, whoa, 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 because I, I thought, see, I thought we were getting out of debt last week. <laughs> now you're telling us to be generous. Are we, are we getting out of debt or are we giving our stuff away? I'm not sure which way we're going here. We are going to be a blessing uh, as, and watch as we get out of debt. We're not going to wait to be a blessing, but we will be a blessing to others and we will ourselves be blessed as well. But we're going to start right now with all of this. Look at what Paul told Philemon. And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Can I just say that's the supernatural part of this, the part that doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Finances and faith do not, listen, they're not going to be rational. But God never said he was going to be rational. He said he would bless us if we would follow him, even if it doesn't make sense to us. It makes 
sense to him. So we will lead the way with irrational generosity because we actually believe, we actually believe, we actually believe it is more blessed to give than to receive, so we will not wait until later. Or as Frederick Buechner said, this is on the bottom of your notes, the world says the more you take, the more you have. Jesus says the more you give, the more you are. And the reason we want to fight against that is our human nature, but the reason we want to embrace that is because it is reflecting what Jesus said in John 3.16. That God loved you and me so much that he gave. And we could just stop right there. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that he gave. And this verse is so important to us that we stop every week to remember it. Not this verse necessarily, but, the, but what Jesus is telling us. Every week we stop to remember the generosity of God who, who didn't give the bare minimum. He gave up the life of his son for the sake of those who would call out to him for forgiveness of sins. And the reason we lean into this our whole life into this statement. And we do this in just a moment as we hold a piece of bread that reminds us of the body of Jesus that was broken and the cup of juice that reminds us of his blood that was shed for us. The reason we lean into all of that is to remind us that not only do we trust God with our eternity, but we trust him with how we live our life right now. It's not just about then. It's about right now. Forgiveness of sins, promise of eternal life, and in between, a life that looks like Jesus here on this earth. And so as we talk about generosity, we're going to share communion together. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, thank you for how much you love us. Jesus, thank you for being willing to go to the cross on our behalf. In the book of Romans, it says that's how you demonstrate your love for us while we were still sinners. When we were as bad as it was going to get, when we were not lovable, while we were still sinners, Jesus, you died for us when we least deserved it, when we would be the least likely ones to be helped. Because you love us, you gave. And so as we hold this bread and this juice, that reminds us of that gift. God, we are blown away. Thank you for loving us so much. May this moment remind us of that great gift that you gave. May it remind us of the forgiveness of sins that we have received. And may it remind us to be people who reflect the kingdom of God in the way we live our lives and give generously to others. Father, thank you for the chance to be that reflection of your kingdom here. We pray this through your son, Jesus.